Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Good morning, Freedom Church. How are you doing this morning? I'm excited for all that God is doing. I'm excited about our uh, Pray for the Land at 2 o'clock. Uh, join us there. If you have never been part of this, this we're going to go old school. So we're going to do like a Jericho march around the land. And around the, I'm, I'm, some of you guys probably have never done that. But we're going to teach you. We're going to go around that land. We're going to pray the promises of God over it seven times. And afterwards, we're going to go up and worship. And we're going to believe that God is going to give us the victory. So if you have a chance, show up there. We're going to kick it old school. And we're going to see God move. And we're going to see God do amazing, amazing things. I'm, I'm excited for that. And I'm excited for what God is doing in our church. We truly, like last week, we say we want to be a church for the out walls, and you always respond. And this this past Sunday, we launched our three strands ministry. I want you to check out the pictures and the photos of everything that took place. All these are parents and people that are coming together. We get a chance to mentor and disciple and train. You showed up. You fed them. We were able to provide uh, Bibles for them. And let me tell you, all because of your faithfulness and your giving and your serving, we were able to make an incredible difference. So you might, Pastor B, that is something that's amazing. I want to be part of reunifying families together and what the county is doing and sharing the love of Jesus, you can. Would you go to guest services and we can show you how you can maybe come and serve a meal and, and be part of that. And one of the cool things at the end of that service is I was looking back and I saw many of the mentors praying with the families and tears rolling down the cheeks of many of the parents. And I could just see that God is getting ready to do something. And, and like, like I shared with you, that's not that's not just that's just the beginning. We're going to start a partnership after this with Agape Pregnancy Center where we are going to mentor young ladies and families that are walking through the process where they decided that I am not going to go with the abortion. I am going to choose life. And we are not just we're not going to show what we're against. No, we're going to show what we're for. We're for people. We're for life. We love others. So, man, talk about talk to me about that and guest services Man, pray about that. That's probably going to launch either this summer or coming in the fall. But I'm excited for what God is doing. God is doing incredible things here at the church. Uh, I want to also thank you for uh, praying with me this last week for one of my heroes and, and mentors, Pastor Hashmat. Do you guys know who Pastor Hashmat is? Truly a legend of the faith. Uh, man, literally, some of the missionaries I was reaching out to, he was single-handedly a part of man, really reaching the nation of Pakistan, one of the most unreached areas in the entire world. Well, after we prayed and we fasted and we sought the Lord, uh, hey, Pastor Ashmat passed away yesterday morning. Uh, my hearts are broken. And, uh, but here's what I know. God's work will continue to go on, will it? We thank God for men of God who plants the church and we're going to get behind him. We're going to partner with him. Uh, how many of you guys ever had a time where you're praying about something, you're believing God, you're up all night asking God to do it, he doesn't do it? And how many of you guys ever been mad at God? <laughs> I think that's the normal. I was mad at God. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was just having one of those moments where I'm like, Lord, I don't understand. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Like, why is this happening? And I just felt the Lord said, trust me. I'm in control. Don't you realize that 
the uh, man, the ovation he has in heaven. Like, this is just a miss. This is not what it's all about. He fought the fight. He finished the race. Now it's our turn to help that. So that gives me more of a passion to help partner with the church in Peshawar in Pakistan and pray for a revival there. And not only that, if you remember, Pastor Ashmat prayed for this church. Two years ago, he gave us his wedding ring. So they had gold that we plant the church. And how ironic that it's on the Sunday that we're going to pray over the land. He said, Benito, the gold is the treasure. This is like the retirement. He says, I want to be the first one to give to that land because God is going to make this a house of prayer for the nations of the world. And I believe that. This church is not just going to be about Freedom Church and Round Rock, but the nations will come to know him. And remember the rock that he gave us a couple years ago. He gave every one of us a rock. I'm just holding that rock as he prophesied that this is going to be a huge, a, make a huge impact. So with that said, sorry about the emotion. Uh, we need to stand with them. We're going to pray for them, pray for his wife Zenith, pray for his sons Hanuk, Joshua, his daughter Freona. But we need to, they've incurred incredible medical expenses. And uh, his wife is a widow now. The Bible says to take care of widows. So we're going to give a special offering today. And, uh, and uh, if you want to give, just, just you can go online and give to missions. All the money that goes in missions, you can text to give. Or as you give your regular tithe and offering this morning, Jennifer already, and I already prayed about, we're going to live in that giving. We're going to give, uh, just give it, a, just put missions, hashmat, and we'll make sure that his family gets all of the resources. But we want to be not just a church of prayer, but backs him financially. So if the Lord puts it in your heart to give, the money and the resources that come in from a, your, the, the, for just designated to him this morning will go out to Pakistan. And let's pray for the family. Let's pray for the offering. Let's pray God to be with us. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Thank you how you're moving. And Lord, we pray specifically in this moment for the Hashemot family. We pray for the church in Peshwar. We pray that you would sustain them. We pray that you'd be with them. Lord, we pray that you'd give them peace. Lord, I, I, Lord, my heart breaks for them. Lord, would you give them peace? Lord, would you give them strength? Would you lead them during this season, God? And Lord, may we be a blessing to them. May we be able to meet practical needs. May we be your hands and feet to them this morning. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for giving. This morning we're continuing our series, Do You Even Lift, with a special message titled Roid Rage, How to Deal with Anger and Unforgiveness. And I have a special guest. You're going to be blessed. One of my friends from college, Pastor Hadley Baker. You guys already know him. We've partnered with him. We've given to his church plant, and they've been doing great things in the North Dallas area. They're reaching people. And Hadley is a man that is uniquely gifted. He has an ability to seize a songwriter, and he's going to share a song with us this morning. Give it up for my my friend, Pastor Hadley Baker. What's up, my man? All right. What's going on, Freedom Church? You guys doing well? All right. So I just want to put this disclaimer. You know how like when you have a, 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 the commercials on TV where they talk about the side effects? You know, like the, they like warn you like, hey, you, you can consume this product, but this might happen. So I just want to put this out here. Your pastor asked me to sing this song. So... I'm not responsible for the fallout. But uh, hey, for real, it's good to be with you guys, man. I love your church. I love your pastor. And uh, since it's, uh, you know, Valentine's Day was just a couple days ago. Did you guys celebrate? Y'all have a good time, Valentine's? Yeah. I took, uh, took my wife to this really romantic Mexican uh, place in our community. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Taco Casa. 
and uh, we shared a sweet tea. It was awesome. All right. Um, Because that's how your boy rolls, man. I go big on Valentine's. All right. But hey, I wanna I wanna sing a a, a song for you guys. This is um, this is a song. If you've ever, sometimes you've had this experience where there's somebody that like you you're attracted to them. You feel that emotional connection, and like you want to you want to pursue a relationship with them. But sometimes there's just obstacles. Like you love someone, but you're just not compatible for different reasons, and it can happen for different reasons. And so uh, when I was when I was younger, like much younger, there was a uh, this young lady that like I, I loved her, she loved me. Uh, we wanted to be together, like we wanted to, you know, become an official. Like we we wanted to be Facebook official, all right. And uh, it just there was just this major hindrance, this major obstacle that we just could not get over. And I didn't know how to deal with it, so I just wrote a song about it. And um, it's just simply called uh, "It's Too Bad." So for any of you today who are in a place where there's just someone you love but you're not with them. Let this song minister to you. All right, here we go. Are y'all ready? Because you're so fine. I wish you were my girlfriend. We could go to Chuck E. Cheese and make some special memories. Cause I've loved you for almost all my life. And when I'm with you, everything just feels so right. Oh, how I wish that we could be together Cause it would be so sweet If we could stay forever But things get complicated And oh baby, how I hate it When I think of what we could have had it's too bad we've got the same mom and dad whistle solo told you i wasn't responsible for the the fallout it gets worse let's go for it oh what the heck but our children will probably have birth defects And would they call me uncle or call me dad It's too bad It makes me sad I'm downright mad We've got the same mom and dad That's an Arkansas love song all right, thank you guys. It's a good time to clarify. That's just a joke, all right? That's not, that's not a real song. Some of you are like, who is this guy? What is this all about? Well, hey, it's a joy to be with y'all this morning, for real. I, I want to say on a serious note, I love to laugh. I love to be goofy. How many of you know church should be fun? We should have joy in the house of God. Man, there's enough heaviness and weight 
and just negativity in the world, man, this should be a life-giving place. And uh, I just want to say publicly, man, I love and honor your pastor. You, you guys are blessed to have Benito leading Freedom Church. Uh, he, he is, I tell people all the time, he's my Barnabas. He's the person in my life that just encourages me. And a lot of my pastor friends, when I'll talk to them, you know, they'll say, man, how, how, how's the church doing? Uh, how many are you running? They're asking about the church and the numbers and all that. Every time I talk to Pastor Benito, he says, man, Hadley, how are you doing? How's your marriage? How's your, how's your prayer life? He's just, uh, he's just a real encourager to me, and so I, I appreciate him and I honor him. But as he said earlier, you guys have been in this series now for a few weeks called Do You Even Lift? And today we're going to talk about roid rage. We're going to talk about anger and unforgiveness. This week as I was preparing, I, I came across some, some laws that are real laws that are on the books in different states. And I don't know if you've ever, have you ever seen a law or seen something like a rule maybe, and you just wonder like, why did that become a, a law? Or how did that come about? Like some of them are just weird or they seem unnecessary. Like when Pastor Benito and I were at Bible college, they had this weird rule. They said for all the men, you had to have your shirt tucked in until 1 o'clock. After 1 o'clock, you could untuck it. And I was like, that just seemed weird to me. Like what is it about 1 o'clock? So sometimes your boy was a rebel, like 1255, I'd just untuck it, man. I'd just, I'd just be a rebel like that. But I came across some of these laws. Now, it's on the internet, so it has to be true, right? But this, this is uh, some laws I found. In Oregon, it is illegal to hunt in a cemetery. Like, do they really need to make a law for that? Okay. Uh, in Louisiana, it's illegal to wrestle a bear. Some alcohol involved in that one, I'm sure. In Wyoming, it is illegal to use a firearm when you're fishing. Okay, some rednecks went fishing apparently, okay. Uh, in Juneau, Alaska, you cannot bring a flamingo into a barbershop. In Washington State, this is hilarious, the slaying of Bigfoot is a felony punishable by five years in prison, all right? So if you see Sasquatch, don't kill him because you're going to jail. Uh, in Rhode Island, it is illegal to race horses on the highway. In Minnesota, all you bingo people, this is going to ruin your day. You can only play bingo twice a week in Minnesota. You can't do more than twice a week. That's hilarious. In Wyoming, you can't ski if you're drunk. In Delaware, you cannot sell an artificial limb to a pawn shop. Like, my thing is, like, who would want to buy an artificial limb from a pawn shop, you know? Like, if I need an artificial limb, I don't want a used one. I'm just saying. In New Jersey, this is, this is hilarious. It's illegal to wear a bulletproof vest while you're committing murder, okay? Like, if you're going to commit murder, be sensible and don't wear a bulletproof vest, apparently. In Utah, marriage between cousins is illegal if they are under the age of 65. But once you hit 65, game on, baby. Go for it, all right? It's like every year at the family reunion, like 20 more years, me and you, all right? I've had my eye on you, girl. Kind of like the song we just sang, right? In Alaska, it's illegal to tie your pet to the roof of your car. And then uh, I don't know if this applies to anyone, if anyone in here, if you still got your Christmas decorations up. But in Utah, it's illegal to keep them up uh, after January 14th. You got to take your Christmas stuff down. All right. So I was looking at some of those laws, you know, and I was thinking about how God has laws and commands for us. Like when you think about your life, when I think about mine, when we read the Bible, we see that there are commands and things that God asks of us as his people. And the truth is, many of God's commands, they seem reasonable, and they're fairly easy to obey, right? 
Like some things God says, you know, hey, thou shalt not kill. You're like, no, that's, that's reasonable. And most of the time, that's pretty easy to obey. Maybe you have a coworker that makes that one a little bit hard for you. But, you know, for the most part, the commands of God, they make sense and they're reasonable and easy to follow. But there are other commands that don't make sense to us in our human understanding. And they can feel not just difficult, but maybe even impossible to obey. I'm thinking of the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, two verses where Jesus, man, he just doesn't pull any punches. And he, he says in verses 14 and 15, he says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Wow, what a, what a challenging thing Jesus says to us in this passage of Scripture where it's one of those if-then commands. Hey, if you forgive, then you can be forgiven. If you don't, then you cannot be forgiven. And I want to say this morning that most, something most of us already know is that if you have been deeply wounded, it can be very difficult. It can be a struggle to forgive someone. It's hard to forgive when someone has hurt you. Like, it's one thing if, like, somebody, maybe it was just a misunderstanding. You know, maybe there was just kind of like what we call, you know, a, a, a life moment where somebody upset you or hurt you or frustrated you, but they didn't do it intentionally. That's one thing. But for God to ask us to forgive someone who intentionally, deliberately wounded us or hurt us, let's just be honest. Let's just be real here at Freedom Church this morning. That can seem unfair. Like, God, you don't know what you're asking me to do. You want me to release that person? You want me to forgive and pardon that person? God, they cheated on me after all those years of marriage. You want me to just for forgive them? Lord, they lied about me and trashed my reputation. They said things that were not even true. Lord, they, they molested me. They victimized me. Lord, they stole my innocence. They hurt my child. Like, God is asking me to forgive someone who has hurt me in this way, and it just doesn't feel fair. A lot of times we, we feel like God doesn't really understand the gravity and the magnitude of, of what he's asking of us, that for him it's easy because he's God. But for us as humans, we think, man, we can't do this. And I think the conflict that we feel oftentimes is between what God says and between what we are feeling in that moment. We know in our head what God says. We just read it in Matthew 6, but sometimes what we feel is in conflict with that. You ever encounter something in the Bible that you're like, hey, I know what God's saying, but man, that just, that just doesn't seem to line up with what I'm feeling or thinking. And the truth is this morning, some of you here today, you have a saved soul. You've trusted in Christ, but you've allowed some old thinking to come into your new identity. How many of you know you can have a, a, a saved heart but have messed up mind? You can still hold on to some of that old way of thinking. And the world has a way of thinking about offense. The world has a way of thinking about our wounds and the ways we've experienced injustice. And the, the world's response usually plays out in something like this. Like, there's no way I'm going to forgive them for what they did. Like, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> I, I'm not going to forgive and I'm sure not going to forget. Hey, what they did to me, man, I, I can never let that go. And, and what happens, guys, and I want us to get this, is in this space, when you've been hurt, when you've been wounded, when you've been offended, there's this, this thought that comes into our mind 
And I want to expose it today. I want to put a big spotlight on this thought because, listen to me, it's a lie. And here's the lie that the enemy whispers in these moments when you and I have been wounded and hurt. Is we believe that by not forgiving, by not extending forgiveness, somehow we are taking back the control of the situation. Let me unpack it for just a moment. When you get wounded, oftentimes it causes you to feel powerless. It's kind of like when you've got your back to someone and they walk up and sucker punch you. In that moment, you were powerless. You were vulnerable, and so you got hurt. And so you naturally, you want to take back that sense of power, that sense of control. And a lot of times we can't change what happened. We can't undo what was done to us. But we say, you know what, I'm going to hold you hostage with my hatred. I'm going to get back at you. I'm going to retaliate, but I'm not just going to let you punk me like that. I'm not just going to be a victim. I've got to somehow respond to what you did to me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hate you. I'm going to harbor unforgiveness. I'm never going to release you from this offense. And somehow in our mind, it gives us this feeling of power, this feeling of control. Like, hey, they didn't get the best of me. They didn't win. The situation doesn't win. I'm still in control. But what you don't realize, listen to me, brothers and sisters, what you don't realize is that you're opening a door to bitterness. You're opening a door of toxicity and negativity into your life. See, here's what happens. All of us in our soul, when we are wounded, a seed gets planted in the soil of your soul. And what you do with that seed will determine the person you become. See, in that moment, you can say, you know what? The seed of bitterness tried to be planted in my, so in my soul. The enemy tried to take this moment to make me bitter, to make me angry. And what happens is the longer that stays in there, it's kind of like when an acorn falls from your tree in your yard. When it first starts growing, it's a little thing. Sometimes you can walk out there with your finger and you can uproot it and you, you throw it away. But how many of you know if it stays there and it gets rained on and it gets sunshine, it begins to grow and the roots begin to go deeper and deeper. Give it a few years and what you could have uprooted with your finger, now you've got to get a bulldozer on that thing because it grows and it grows. And the truth is today, and I, I say this not in an accusatory way, but to just talk real with you. Some of you today, man, you have allowed that moment when that seed of bitterness was planted, you've allowed it to grow and to fester. And the Bible warns us, it cautions us in the book of Hebrews that says, man, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. Isn't it interesting? What feels right to us in the moment, it's going to taste sweet to hate in the moment. It's going to taste pleasant to say, no, 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 I'm not going to forgive you. I'm not going to let that slide. No way, no way that, that's going to be, you know, something that I just get over. That's not going to happen. The Bible says it's bitterness. And, and it's interesting because the writer of Hebrews says it will corrupt many. See, bitterness, it doesn't just mess us up. How many of you know your relationships begin to suffer? You ever been around somebody that's just eaten up and consumed with bitterness, with anger? Like they're so unpleasant, they're so miserable. And like, I'll be honest, it's, it's people like that that I can't be around. Like I just can't be around them. 
And some of you today, man, you've, you've allowed that wound, that moment to consume you to the point that it's affecting your marriage. It's affecting your connection with your spouse, with your children. That You can't step into the fullness of what God has because it's just eating you up. And what started with bitterness has become anger. It's became, become rage. We're like, man, you're just, you're just mad. It, it, it's like the most sensitive thing in your life. And today I just want to ask you a simple question. I want to raise a question. Do you trust that the commands of God are given for your joy? Do you trust God? Not do you understand him. Because let me just say this. If your God can be fit into the box of your understanding, that's not much of a God. I don't want to serve a God like that because I ain't the smartest dude, all right? In case you just listen to that song, you're like, yeah, that dude's not the smartest dude right there, all right? I don't want a God that I can file down and whittle down and he fits in my little box. No, sometimes God is going to ask things of me and say things to me that will run contrary to what I think, will run contrary to what I feel. In that moment, do you trust that God's inviting you into something? Is it possible that the commands of God are actually invitations into joy? What if God's saying, wait, 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 I know what you think, I know what you feel. Spoiler alert, God's infinitely wiser than any of us. Maybe God knows something about your soul and your design because he made you that you don't know. He says, listen, I know this, I know this feels good. I know you want to hold on to this. I know you want to hate. I know you think you're, you're going to have power. You're not. Let it go. And so I think of Moses' words to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 10. When he's, he tells the nation of Israel, he goes, guys, you must always obey the, obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today. And notice he specifies they're for your own good. God's commands are for your good. The first sermon in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus ever preached when he began his earthly ministry, he quotes the prophet Isaiah and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the captives will be released the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. What is Jesus saying? He says, I don't want anyone to be a captive. I don't want anyone to be oppressed. I don't want anyone to live outside of my favor. And I have come so those that are captive can be set free. The oppressed can be set free. You can be released. That's what God wants for you. You weren't created to live in a state of constant rage. You weren't created to be bitter. Like God's got more for you. And listen, I want to just acknowledge today, some of you are here today and you've experienced some real pain. Please hear me, I'm not making light of that. Some of you have walked through things that no one should have to walk through. And maybe no one has ever said this to you, and I want to say this to you. If that's happened in your life, listen to me. I say this sincerely without even necessarily knowing you. I am sorry. I'm sorry if you've experienced some of those things we've talked about. But don't let that, that wound define you. Don't let that moment in the past dictate your present and your future. And the truth is, the world is moving on. It's time that you move on as well. You look in the mirror and the person staring back at you is getting older. And yet the person on the inside is stuck in a moment. Like everything else is moving on and you're allowing that moment to keep you trapped and isolated. And even though it happened long ago, I understand maybe the pain feels fresh in your life today. 
man, I, I just pray. I prayed for you this morning on the drive down here. Man, I've just been asking, like, Lord, I, I just want some people to get freed up from this, this weight and this mess. Come on, how many of you know that the church is a place where we discover the freedom of God? And today I believe the Lord is going to liberate some people, set some people free. When I was a child, I thought it was so fantastic. Pastor Benito talked about your church getting involved with this organization, this pregnancy center. Let me just say this. I, I was an unplanned pregnancy. Um, my, my mom had me at 17. She was in a lifestyle at that time that, unfortunately, she couldn't even tell me for sure who my daddy was. So I never knew my dad. She had my next brother two years later. She wasn't sure who his dad was. She had my next brother two years after that, and she married his dad. His name was Mike. And I remember being a little boy, four or five years old, and being excited because I'm finally going to have a daddy. Like, it's hard when you're playing t-ball and you're playing sports and, and all the other boys, their dads are there on the fence, you know, showing them how to catch a pop flyer, how, how to field a grounder, you know, how, how to choke up on the bat. And, like, I didn't have none of that. It's hard when, when you look at your friend, you can look at his daddy, and you can see uh, you, you have his eyes or you have his nose or his chin or whatever. Like, I didn't have none of that. So I got so excited. Man, I'm finally going to have a daddy. But this man, my, my mom married, Mike, and he, he had this horrible addiction to alcohol. And there's, we joke, there's different kinds of drunks, right? There's happy drunks, sad drunks. He was a mean drunk. And when he would get mad, he would hurt my mama. And I can tell you as a child, I, I remember laying in my bed, and I can't tell you how many times I would hear him on the other side of the wall forcing my mom to be with him when he had come home and he was drunk. And I would lay there in my bed, six, seven, eight, nine years old, and just weep because I was powerless to go in there and protect my mom. And I wanted to hurt him so bad. And I would have these visions as a child of like, and one day I'm going to grow up. And I'm going to be strong. And I'm going to have muscles. And I'm not going to be a child anymore. And you're going to hear a knock on your door one day. And it's going to be me. And I'm going to come visit you. And you're going to be the one who's scared. And you're going to be the one who's powerless. And I begin to hate this man with such an intense hatred. When I was 10, because of the devastation he had done to our family, like, my mom actually put me up for adoption to my aunt and uncle and said, just go start over. I've made a mess of my life. Now I'm making a mess of yours. Just go start over. Like, this man hurt me. He hurt my life. I know what it is to hate. I know what it is to be, to be hurt. I know what it is for things to happen that you can't control. And you ask the question, how is this fair? How is this fair? More about that in a moment. So let's get practical. How do, we, how do we forgive? Like for real. How do we move from, from bitterness and, and, and roid rage and anger into a place of living in freedom, of breaking that captivity and that bondage and that oppression? I want to just look at a, a very simple passage in Scripture, and I want to look at the example of Jesus, and then I want to just offer some clarity on what forgiveness is and what it isn't. We'll get to that in just a moment. But just a, a short passage, if we can look in the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the Rome, Romans chapter 12. And he, he's very practical. He simply says, beginning in verse 17, he goes, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Let me just pause quickly. Paul says there's a way to respond to offense that is honorable, and there's a way that is dishonorable. 
He says, because of who you are, and as Jonathan said earlier, whose you are, you have the power to respond with honor. They were dishonorable in what they did, but you're not going to let them pull you into that, and now you become dishonorable. No, hey, what you did was dishonorable, but you're not going to steal and hijack my honor. Even in wounding me, I have the power of God to respond with honor. Verse 18, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can to live in peace with everyone. Now, how many of you know some people, you just can't live in peace with them? You know somebody like that? Don't point at them. You just know somebody like that? Some people, man, they just can't be happy. You can't control what other people do. Paul's saying the only person you can ultimately control with the help of the Lord is yourself. I can't control, you know, I can try to be peaceable. I can try to live with honor. I can't control what you do. But notice what he says in verse 19. He says, dear friends, don't take revenge. See, revenge is never in the job description of a believer. That's not our job. He says, leave that. Now look at this. To the righteous anger of God. Now some of you... Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. God gets angry. God gets ticked off. And you know what ticks off God? When somebody messes with one of his kids. As a child of God, when you experience that injustice, that wounding, that hurt, do you realize God wasn't asleep at the wheel? God didn't take his eyes off you and, oh, snap, I didn't, my bad, I didn't see that happen. No, God sees. God knows. Do we live in a fallen and broken world and things happen? They do. But be sure of this. God will avenge those who have wounded you. And his anger is righteous. It is right. And he has the right to bring revenge. Notice what the Bible says. God says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. I'm not going to hate you. I'm actually going to feed you when you're hungry. You're thirsty, I'm going to give you something to drink. You're not going to keep me bitter and toxic and negative. You're thirsty, I'll give you something to drink. In doing this, you're going to heap burning coals of shame on their head. If you really want to get back, if you really want to settle the score, let God heal you and walk in forgiveness. Your enemy won't know what to do with that. Let God deal with it. And notice what he says. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Do you see, listen to me, there's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for the best part of who you are. There's a battle. Am I going to... Am I going to believe what God said? Am I going to step into freedom or am I going to remain in this bondage? There's a battle raging inside of your heart and your mind. And evil can overcome you. It can conquer you. And Paul says, don't give it that power. You conquer it by doing good. Release them and and let God deal with them. See, I, I think of this letter from Paul to the Romans, and it just reminds me so much of Jesus. Do you you realize that our Lord, the same one who says, hey, if you don't forgive others, God can't forgive you. He knew what it was to be offended. He knew what it was to be wounded. He was betrayed. He was abandoned. He was mocked, he was beaten, he was scoffed at, he was crucified, even as he's dying. Now think about this. The man is nailed to a cross dying and even then his enemies are like I thought you were the son of God I thought you were going to destroy the temple and build it in three days hey everyone if he's the son of God I say let him come down off that cross even in his dying moments people were still taking jabs at him listen to me you serve a God who knows what it is to be wounded he gets it he understands and what does he do 
Gospel of Luke. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know what I think? I heard a preacher say this a while back, and I just, I just add a hearty amen to it. He says, Jesus wasn't going to take unforgiveness into that grave with him. He says, hey, you can hate me, you can mock me, you can nail me to this cross. I'm not going to hate you. You know what Jesus did? He did what he had always done. He put his life in the hands of the Father. Not that he lacked the power. He just did what he had done for 33 years. He put his life in God's hands. Notice Peter's take on this. He said, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Here you got Jesus with all the power in the world, hanging on a cross saying, I don't got to defend myself. The Father knows me, and he's going to take care of me. Listen. I need you to understand, God sees, he knows, if you'll give it to him, he'll handle it. So what is forgiveness and what is it not? Let's, let's begin with what it's not. Quickly, forgiveness is not saying that what that person did is no big deal. We're not minimizing their action. No, the person who abused you, who abandoned you, who lied about you, you know, that's a big deal. So what forgiveness is not is saying that we're just going to minimize and say, uh, it's not that big of a deal. No, it's a big deal. And we need to address that what they did to you was wrong. Forgiveness is not saying it's not a big deal. It's not downplaying the pain that it caused you. Listen, and I want to talk to the men. Sometimes as men, we feel this weird need to, to flex and pretend like we don't feel. Can I, can I just say uh, that's pride and, and just let that nonsense go? Man, if you get hurt, just acknowledge it. Forgiveness is not saying, i got to just shove this down and not deal with it. No, that's, that's when the roid rage comes out, when you don't deal with stuff. Man, if you need to cry, if you need to go to counseling, if you need to get, get in a, a, a group with some other people and process through the pain, do what you need to do. But forgiveness is not saying, well, I just can't feel this. I guess I just have to let it go. No, that's not forgiveness. And forgiveness is not letting them right back in your life. See, forgiveness is granted, but trust must be earned. Hey, I... I love you, I forgive you, I release you. God's going to deal with you. Like revenge isn't something, I'm not in the revenge business, that's God's deal. Um, but you, you violated my trust, and man, that's going to have to be built back up. And listen, that may never happen. Now, what did Paul tell us? Hey, you do everything you can do. But some people, you just can't, they just don't need to be in your life. That's just the truth. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is taking back control of your life. See, the first time they hurt you, you didn't have a choice. But to not forgive, you're letting them hurt you over and over and over again. In every season of your life, they're traveling with you. You may not see them, but they're riding shotgun with you everywhere you go because you're thinking about them. What is forgiveness? It's saying, you know what? <laughs> Get out of my car. You ain't riding with me no more. You, you, you're not going to overshadow who I am right now. You're not going to come. No, no, no. That was a moment and a time, but I'm moving forward with my life. I'm taking back the control. Forgiveness is setting yourself free from the past. It's a, it, it's a, a moment we get stuck in. And can I just say this? There are people who need you right now. You've got a spouse. You've got kids. You've got coworkers. You've got people on a campus. You've got a church in a city called Round Rock. They need you free. They need you healthy. They need you living right now, free from anger and rage, walking in freedom, giving them the best of who you are. And that's what happens when you set yourself free from the past. You can offer the best part of who you are to those 
that you love the most. And finally, let me say this. Forgiveness is trusting God for my healing and for their justice. That's forgiveness. Lord, I trust that even though this wounded me and there's scars on my soul, you're going to heal me. You're going to get me through this. And Lord, I believe the one who hurt me, you're going to deal with them. You're going to take care of me because I'm your child. and You're going to defend me. and You're going to avenge me. So I want to close with a story. It's really just the ending of the story I talked about earlier of the man Mike who just caused so much pain to my mom, my brothers, and to myself. I was about 19 years old. I had come home from Southwestern for the summer. And uh, I, I had gotten word from my grandmother who lived in the same town as Mike. And even though he and my mom had split up at that point, I found out that he had remarried and his wife, his wife was 40 years old and just had passed away. And it's interesting because when I first found out, there was a part of me that, that wanted to rejoice in that. There's a part of me that wanted to pick up the phone and, and call him and say, hey man, how do you like it when someone's ripped away from you and you can't do anything about it? How's that feel, Mike? How's it feel to have a situation that's bigger than you and you can't control it? Like all those thoughts were coming into my mind, but many years had gone by and I, just, I guess I didn't realize the work the Lord had done in my life. I wasn't aware of it. So I asked my grandmother, I said, do you happen by chance to have his number? And it's one of those small towns, like 2,000 people, you know, a little phone book. She was, I can look it up. I said, yeah, please, please do that. So I called him and we talked on the phone. He was shocked to hear me. I'll be honest with you, it was crazy. Even as the words were coming out of my mouth, it was almost like I couldn't believe it either. But I knew it wasn't me. It was what God had done in me. And I just told him, I'm sorry for your loss, Mike. He, he owned some things and admitted he did some things wrong and he, he apologized for some things. And I'll never forget it, guys. I said, Mike, listen, I want you to know I forgive you. I forgive you. And I hung up that phone. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's like it happened yesterday. And I was sitting at my desk in this metal chair. And I remember I just leaned forward and I put my hands over my face and I wept for probably 30 minutes. The joy of just letting all that woundedness go. There's a freedom God wants you to have today. There's a healing God wants to do. And if you're here today and you walked in with offense and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and it's turned into rage, man, the Lord wants to set you free from that. I want to pray for you and then I'm going to hand it back over to your pastor. Could we just bow quickly in a moment of prayer? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. This is a sacred moment. I'm going to move quickly. We're not going to drag this out, but... I just don't want to challenge you with this word and not taking a moment to pray with you. Maybe give you some next steps to take. I just wonder this morning if you're here and you would say, man, Hadley, I get it. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's kind of caught up with me and I, I didn't want to be in this place, but man, this wound, this injustice, this, this hurt, it's just... It's just consuming me, and I, I don't like it, and I know i got to let it go, but I'm just struggling, but I want to do the right thing. I want to trust God. I want to believe that His commands are for my joy. And today, you just say, I just need grace to do what God's asking me to do. Pastor Hadley, will you pray for me? I want to do that. Would you just slip up a hand so I can pray for you? Yeah. Several of us. That ought to make you feel some comfort to know you're not alone. And so, Lord, we do that. We pray for these brothers and sisters today, God, I just pray that you would grant them an uncommon faith 
to trust you and to take you at your word, that your commands are really invitations into joy. Give them the strength, even though it may be an act of their will, and their emotions may have to catch up. They may not feel it, but as they will themselves, they say, I choose to forgive this person. I, I make this choice. I believe God will heal me and he will avenge me, and I choose today to take him at his word and trust him. And Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage maybe to take a next step and and to talk with a trusted brother or sister and say, I need to invite you in to come alongside me and to stand with me as the Lord begins this journey of my healing and my restoration. Lord, I know you're a good God and you promised the Philippians that you would finish what you begin. So I thank you that the work you start today, my brothers and sisters, you're going to finish it. You're going to heal them and allow them to walk in your freedom. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.